Hey everybody, welcome back to Bleach Mouth Postscript. This is part two of my conversation with musician and martial artist Gavin Van Vlack. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and start there. Come back here and finish up and we will see you on the other side. Thanks again for listening. I got you. Back? Yep. Your cat was... Your Where's cat the was... paid my cat to <laughs> disconnect my fucking computer? Either that or your cat was jealous that you were speaking so highly of Roy and John John and said, no, nah, I've, I've heard enough of this. We're gonna They're fucking this. vegans. They, they fought for you. They fought for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking weird. <laughs> how old? Yeah, my dog, my, uh, how old? She's like three. Oh, I found cool. her on the, the last Burn U.S. tour in a truck stop in Marietta, Georgia. She was like this big. Oh, wow. And almost getting run over by a truck. And uh, she basically spent the next two weeks on the road with Joanna, our merch girl, um, as a prop for like, please feed the kitty. She was making more money in tips for the cat than she was in merch. It was that's, insane. That's um, fantastic. So now the cat thinks, because she was going to hardcore shows, thinks that all humans are the fucking coolest thing on the planet. She's so not a cat. She's a she's like the worst cat on the planet as far as being a cat. Yeah. She has no idea. Like she doesn't have that aloof, like, yeah, I'm a cat, fuck you kind of attitude. You know? <laughs> well, that's a cat I could get behind. I'm total, total cat fail. Yeah. And you know, she had, you know, like her big brother is Musashi, who is kind of like an internet superstar in his own right, you know, yeah. because of the gym. My dog. So uh Okay, so we were we were really going off. Well, we're talking about like basically, yeah. I'm like one of those people that like I stay in touch with like my friends from from back in the day. Like I'll text Roger every once in a while. I'll text Walter, just like you know. Because here's the thing about it, especially at the age that we're getting to, and I have no intent on you know kicking off and tripping the light, fantastic, anything like that. But you never know, and I don't want to have like like the last time I talked to oh. I totally forgot about that person and they died, you know, and I don't want that. You know, it's like, you know, I, I constantly, anytime someone within my cir- our circle of the whole hardcore scene passes away, me and Jimmy from Murphy's law, I'm like, you know, little reminder, please don't die. Um, that kind of shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, particularly when it's a shared experience that is, um, you know, pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I have I, a, I have friends that I've had since, I was 12 or 13 people I still talk to on a daily basis. You know, yeah. uh, you, yeah. you have this shared experience and you're right. You don't want it to be, oh, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, granted, guy, granted you know? not everyone. I mean, there's people that like I've been in, you know, there's plenty of people I just don't, I, I, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for. Well, you know, I yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to that whole point about growing. And if, yeah. that, if that other person's not growing, you don't have any hate for them. You don't have any, dislike but it's just like you just grow and you're like you're going this way i'm going this way man and that's totally fine you know that happens absolutely you know um but yeah nausea um nausea is another band that just doesn't get and i want to i they get they're getting more credit now um and i you know it's just i remember i mean so such a pleasure to get to have seen them like in their many incarnations, incarnations of it, like even Jimmy Williams from Maximum Penalty playing drums for them. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Roy Mayorga playing drums for them. Like, like just, yeah, it was like their first drummer, Pablo, who he passed away because of a heroin ad, uh, addiction, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, and, and still seeing like how Neil's doing amazing out, out in Portland is his farm. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, Amy's someone who I'm, you know, I haven't heard from. Don't, I think she kind of like lives a different life now and that's her thing. But Roy and John, I, I still stay in the loop with I, fo- I follow John on, on Instagram because I like his paintings quite a bit. His, art, his artwork is great. It's you know? like, it's stunning how, and he seems to turn them over pretty quickly. Like he's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. He really works fast. He works, he works hard on what he does. And, you know, that's the thing too. You want to support these people, support their current art, you know, and it's like, you know, so go out and buy a, buy a John John press uh, print. Um, you know, Roy just released, and I mean, granted, Roy is also the drummer for Stone Sour, which I know a lot of people will talk like, "Oh, Stone Sour." Fine. Blah, blah. He's, he's he's a musician, and he he's he's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely people, nothing wrong with just, a band a band of all hardcore kids making a fucking living because that's really what Stone Sour is. Yeah. John Mark Betchel was the bass player. We played together in Pride. Christian was, you know, the, the guitarist for Chelsea Smiles with fucking Todd Youth, another band from L.A. that nobody remembers, who I fucking loved. They were I, so good. That's the first time I've heard that name. They were so Like, I know uh, Todd Youth, but I've never heard that name, that band. He had a band called Chelsea Smiles where him and Christian were singing, and they were fucking awesome. Oh, they were so gritty, so good. Um, you know, and it's, you know, that whole band is like, they're all... You know, and it's like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, but they're playing. Well, so what? They're not playing something you want to listen to. Don't listen to it. Yeah, I mean, people just want to hate on people just because they have nothing better going on, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, you could could subjectively dislike something and even be passionate about disliking it. But I think the problem with having a strong opinion about music one way or the other is that, you know, you make it personal or people take it personal, and it should never be that way. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know unless the person is a complete piece of shit which you know that's neither here nor there sometimes that has nothing to do with the art but you know no it's true i mean i i I defy anybody to tell me that keith richards is actually a nice person or a good dude you know but i love those stones records yeah absolutely those are those are dicey cats for sure yeah you know um so did you mean the bar the bar case with this holy ghost yeah okay because it, I think it. Did I misspell it? it? Well, no, you didn't. It probably spelled it's the spell check. Probably it says the barleys, and I'm like, I don't think I've heard the barleys, but I know no, it's the bar case. So yeah, I the, know yeah. the bar case because stacks is my my thing completely. My yeah. my dad, he grew up he grew up in Tennessee. He didn't move to Akron until he's like 12 or 13. His dad came up here for jobs at the rubber factory, you know, because yeah, that was what what Akron's thing was. All, all the rubber companies started here and then they moved out in the fifties and sixties and seventies. And then it was a ghost town by the eighties anyway, but growing up in Tennessee, he got into a lot of that soul, that Southern soul really early on. Um, Was, was your introduction to bar case through AM radio or was that something where did you pick? My introduction to bar case really was through be honest about it through punk rock okay because i'm someone who like i get into the epidemiology of, of music and you want like you hear about like punk rock and hip-hop 
and where they came out of. And if you listen to that song, Holy Ghost, that is like one of the most early influenced go-go songs. Just that beat. It's just that whole beat is fucking, you know, you can tell that like EU heard that and fucking wrote a whole album off of that fucking beat.
you know, um, like, you know, Trouble Funk, all those bands, like the bands that like, what got me into it was like, okay, so Trouble Funk was responsible for this. The Bad Brains were, had a huge, everybody in DC had a huge Trouble Funk yeah. influence, yeah. you know, but where, okay, where did, where did fucking Trouble Funk, where did they get influence from? And that's where you get into stuff like the meters and the bar and things, you know, Ohio players and things of that nature. Ohio players, definitely much more commercial aspect. They had a lot more, I think, success. Yeah. Because um, the Ohio players were much like, like, like some week I learned someone called it. They were like a real nasty earth, wind and fire, you know, just oh, yeah. a, grimy, a grimy earth, wind and fire, super talented. Dayton, but they were like, Dayton's a grimy town, man. That's a tough yeah, town. No, absolutely. They were like, they were like, yeah, they were kind of like if, uh, you know, if, P-Funk and Earth, Wind, and Fire were doing a lot of coke in the green room together, you know? So, um, but yeah, like that Barquet song, that's, I mean, that's a song, it's a playlist easily once a week at fucking, at Diamond Heart, you know, that fucking holy, that, that song just fucking, it pops, you know? And it's like, it's one of those things that like, it's that rhythm that drives it, drives that song that is just, that's so fucking addictive, you know? Um, and uh, that's, I mean, to me, I like, I like to, I like to look at where the influences come from. But I think the problem was with the, when you get the influences, people tend to also get like, you know, romanticized about certain shit. I, I look at influences to see how I can build something, you know, I'm trying to deconstruct to be able to reconstruct. Right. And uh, that's what I try to do with music. I mean, that's like why, what I do sounds the way it does. And, you know, you know, like what, why when someone hears something I've written, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's Gavin. Right. You know, well, so. What, I like connecting the dots as well. One of the things I always told my friends is that they're like, they, they've accused me of only really listening to like older hardcore bands, which is, you know, patently false. But when I'm playing in a fast, older style hardcore band, you yeah. know, like when, when I'm kind of doing that thing, I don't listen to other modern hardcore and I don't listen to a lot of older hardcore because I, I, I just want to sort of not, cause I'm going to arrive to that point. Like I know that, you know, it's weird. Like my friends are like, well, why, why do you want to, why do you want to play in such a small sandbox? I'm like, well, because I like having a goal and a template, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to bring in all the toys available yeah. to me into the sandbox. So oftentimes I'll be listening to like little Walter or Sonny boy Williamson and not, yep and not SSD control. Please don't go Well, I love you You 
it doesn't have a hook, if I can't slow this 50 second song down and it, it, and give it a, a, a more of a laid back backbeat and it doesn't sound like a punk rock song, uh-huh. then it's not hardcore to me. And by virtue of being punk rock, direct lineage to blues, like you can do it in two steps, you know? Oh. So that's kind of how I, how I look at it. So I totally feel you on that. Like I, I love just sort of, you know, I mean, fuck one of the obvious bands that really took from a lot of blues that a lot of people you know might take for granted as far as their influence go if you listen to any laughing hyenas record it's oh, all yeah. fu- it's all fucking blues people are like oh, it's so crime. they're they're Life like cr- they're like it's so noisy and heavy i'm like yeah but that's all blues that's all blues that's all blues and fucking john brandon's vocals all screaming jay hawkins yeah yeah all screaming jay hawkins yeah yep it's muddy waters and screaming jay hawkins straight across the board Laughing Hyenas definitely was like a band that like really reconnected with the blues and played that connecting the dots thing. Yeah. Um, the Bar Case, man, they had some. Um, they put out a ton of records though, man. Uh-huh. I mean, just like they were just super active, and it's funny oh, yeah. because when you go down those rabbit holes, particularly with those old soul and funk and R and B bands, mm-hmm. it's, it's intimidating how deep the catalogs are man but it's well worth jumping into oh absolutely there's so many just great sounds and like i love the jbs and everybody really goes to them because james brown <laughs> was such a huge thing and the jbs on their own were amazing but i would venture to say the barcades are every bit as good at least, yeah, at least I, to my yeah. ears you know no that's that's a fair that's a fair statement yeah um i don't know anything about K Mag Yo Yo. That's uh, Hayes Carell. That song in particular is uh, that's basically it's it's another one that's lyrically genius. Um, it's total honky tonk country song. Okay. Um, you know, written very much in like the vein of let's say Sturgill Simpson, Hank Three, um, a little bit more. Uh, I would say he's kind of a weird cross between. And this is going to sound really odd. Sturgill Simpson and Kurt Vile.
some rubble in my slipstream. Mama always said I should be aiming for the moon. Never would have guessed that I'd be passing by soon. How the hell I get here? Blasting through the atmosphere. Drop a rocket boosters and I'm shifting into high gear. Boy on the system and a bottle on my knee. I'm strong and ain't got nothing on me. Hey, oh, here we go. K-Mag, yo, yo. Someone wanna get me. Gotta come up with a son of a song in particular like i remember being on a ride i was like where was i, I was like up in maine and uh because I'm, I'm like an avid uh adventure rider like I, I ride klrs and just like i like camping and shit like that so uh-huh. um and that just came i i, I threw on like i was just like, oh, let's, let's take a sturgill simpson song i'm gonna make a fucking radio out of it and that song came on i'm like holy shit the first thing is the guitar sounds are freaking amazing um and it's just everything about that song lyrically it's genius um it's uh it's just straight across the board it's like one of those songs that just i wish i'd heard it in a bar when i drank you know i don't drink anymore this is relatively recent this like 2011 yeah yeah. that, that might be why it was a blind spot for me um yeah um tree even even the really good stuff is kind of not completely foreign to me but more foreign than other other types see, of i grew up like pretty much everybody heard heard my whole story like my first live show was Waylon jennings in a roadhouse bar oh like, my you goodness. know um so i've always had a little bit of like you know and i grew up in new hampshire and i was always kind of like you know just you know uh, I was, you know, admittedly a country kid. Everybody has this idea that I'm like a New York, you know, a New York hardcore kid, like, you know, like, like Jimmy or any of those guys, like, no, they're, they're fucking born bred New Yorkers. I'm, right. you know, I was raised in a swamp in New Hampshire. Um, we moved down here when I was 13 years old. So, okay. you know, um, but I've always been a rural, they like, my mindset is always rural, you okay. know, I always, you know, and it's a different it's a different kind of 
it's a different mindset, but the whole thing about it is that one thing that you learn that's very common when you come down, when you came down to New York, you have to, you have to respect your surroundings. Yeah. You know, you have to respect your surroundings and know, you know, you stay in your fucking lane. Um, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I grew up around a lot of country music and a lot of blues. And I mean, that's also really evident in my playing, but, uh, yeah. And that's that Hayes Carroll song came on. That was like, this is a fucking amazing piece of music, you know? Um, and lyrically, I think it's very, very valid because basically it talks about, um, and this is not an unknown thing about how a lot of young soldiers at 19 years old getting shipped over to Afghanistan and all of a sudden realizes like, Oh wow, we can fucking, uh, you know, we can, we can, we can make money by shipping, you know, by processing poppies, shipping it back to fucking, uh, shipping it back to the States. And, you know, then this situation was someone who was basically caught by the government. He was so good at it that the government was like, no, no, you're not in trouble. We just want you to work for us doing it. You know, I think, I mean, my opinion on that is I fully support our troops. Let's yeah. get them, let's get them the fuck out of there. We should have got them out of there a long time ago if we really yep. support them. They should yep. be back here. We we have all this talk about infrastructure, American infrastructure that needs work, and we can put those hands to work on American infrastructure. You want to make this country great again? Yep. Bring our fucking troops home. You know, bring our kids home. Bring our fucking brightest and strongest demographic of eighteen to thirty back to our fucking country. Okay, so they're not fucking, they're not cannon fodder being chewed up for these fucking companies and these fucking corporations that have fucking vested interest in the oil stakes and that fucking, you know? Yeah, give give them jobs that's going to benefit everybody. And on top of that, you know, and if you're being cold blooded about it, you could say to people like, look, you bring these people back, you're going to give them jobs that are going to, it's going to benefit everybody. They're gonna make money. That goes back into the economy. If you want to be in, if you want to be a shithead, be numbers game about it. Then look at those numbers, and that's the those are the numbers that make better sense than sending somebody over there for oil money. Well, a lot of you the know? problem is that the people that are making exorbitant amounts of money won't be able to make. It, it's like this whole scarcity mindset of like, well, I, I won't make as much money, and you're like, okay, so you you're already making enough money to basically supply the next five generations of your fucking family. But meanwhile, we have single mothers at home who have lost their husbands in war, who barely able to feed their own fucking kids. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fucking insane. They just want to continue the cycles of poverty and they, there's no, there's no interest in really helping anyone despite all. Well, the problem is if they don't, if they, if they don't continue the cycle of poverty, it doesn't make the option of, being in the military as desirable, like, well, I'm poor. What, what can I do? I'm not going to be able to get into college because I don't have the grades. That's the only, that's the only reason my brother went, he came out of the military. He came out of college in the English degree, but he had, wasn't smart about, you know, loans and things like that because on my dad's side and most of my mom's side, he and I are the first college graduates. So he had his mountain of debt. He goes back to my mom's house. My stepdad was like, you're not staying here. So what was he going to do? You know, we're not, we're not giving, we're not giving our soldiers all this fucking bullshit, pseudo fucking jingoistic crap 
that fucking, you know, oh, our troops hand over your fucking heart in your fucking suit. All these motherfuckers in Congress, all these guys in the Senate, and I don't care if you're fucking Mitch McConnell or you're fucking Pelosi. Here's the problem, okay, is they're making it seem like, oh, well, no, it's this side against this side because this side has this belief and this side has this belief. No, let's cut that screen. It's this way. Yeah. It's this lower half doesn't realize that these people are keeping us fucked down. Yeah. Okay. They've got us yelling this way. Yep. We need to start punching up. There's this uh, comedian, Barry Crimmins. You ever hear of him? Heard of him, yeah. He did this bit and he basically said, You know, we have an election coming up. The big problem is someone will win. And people just talking, they get tied up forever in this either-or politics thing. And they get so dogmatic supporting one side or the other. In the meantime, we wouldn't have, we, the reason we don't have a viable third party is because corporations don't want to write a third check, you know? There's a nickel's worth of difference between Democrats and Republicans. A nickel's worth of difference. So if I took a nickel and I put it on this music stand here, Democrat would steal it from me. And the Republican would kill me for it. And that's my choice, and I gotta pick one side and then live in servitude to these weirdo assholes who, here's, here's my point entirely about most politics, like never trust anyone who wants to be in charge. They're still going to take your dime. They're still going to leave you poor. They just have different ways of going about it. Absolutely. That, that, you know, pretty much, you know, because my politics were informed by, you know, public enemy dead Kennedys later on born against, although with born against, it was a little bit tougher because I didn't have the same socioeconomic background that Sam McFeeders did. So that was, that was a bit, you know, I appreciated it. He wasn't wrong, but I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't know. But (laughs) you know, when when you're, when you're poor, you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder and you you suspect anybody that has something that you don't, which is kind of a shitty way to be, but it is the way it is sometimes. No, I'm, I'm, I myself have been admittedly a little bit classist about shit because I mean, pretty much everything I have, I, my whole life has been a construct of like building, like, you know, like, Oh, I found this abandoned building. Let me fucking make a home out of it. Let me, you know, you know, let me try to make a trade for myself in something that, you know, no one thinks, Oh, you're never going to make money teaching martial arts, you know? Okay. Well, that's what I can do. I'm going to stick at it. You know, you, you know, he was like, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough too, because like, I have like three of my closest friends come from like, very affluent fortune 500 families and i can't fucking you know i can't be that kind of bigotry i can't be like well you're you're a bigot about this and you're like a transphobe and you're a racist and you're at that but you know i'm uh i'm hating someone because they were born into a privileged situation now what they choose to do these people also they do a lot of fucking really good stuff with it with it with their their the ability to be able to do really good stuff yeah um so you know, it's like I myself, am, you know, I will call myself out as being a hypocrite as well, you know, because I still get like, oh, well, you come from fucking money. You don't know me. Yeah, they don't know my struggle. They weren't, they didn't, they didn't wake up in the bed I woke up with this morning. Yeah. You know, and, so. you know that, that, that was something I, you know, I fought through for a lot of years and, you know, I still have that, you know, that 
itch in the back of my head sometimes hits me a certain way, but most times yeah. I'm just like, you know what, man, I have plenty of friends that came from pretty well-to-do families and, you know, by and large, most of them have taken their opportunities and done good with it. So how could I possibly be mad at that? You yeah. know, that that's has nothing to do with me, you know? So no, absolutely. The cure is a band that comes up a lot on my podcast. Not that I'm Cause they're fucking people. awesome. Cause deep down inside, we're all a bunch of little emo kids. I think so. Um, Especially that song. That song is so holy gut wrench. I think every time I hear that song, fuck. I know it's apples and oranges, but I was coming up. I was more of a Joy Division guy. You know, like a lot of people like. They're the both great. They're both great. I love them both. I I don't have any. I'm ambivalent towards the Cure. I, I respect them. Yeah. I respect them because you know they really. There's nobody that sounds like them. Nobody. Oh. And they were able to parlay that sound and make some money in the 80s with disintegration. You know, they did really well. But I first heard Cure because all the cute girls were listening to the Cure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, that yeah. was like that's I kind of got first I first got into the cure because yeah, like back back in the hardcore scene, you know, all the all the cute and I always love like the like the like the like kind of the metal metal goth girls back in the eighties were all into the cure. And it was like, yeah. what's that about? And I listened to it. I mean, I honestly when I listen to music, I'm not gonna listen to something just because like, oh, she listens to it. So I listen, I'm like, oh, I fucking get this. Well, yeah, it's in, it's, this. in it's in the air. Even even while it's just more whimsical shit, you know, is fucking, you know, he's an amazing lyricist. Yeah. But that song in particular is like one of those summer songs that just like you know what a beautiful day and i want to die
legendary pairing whenever you're talking music people's like are you a cure or you're smiths and i'm like it's apples and oranges and i just don't you know have a dog in that fight i mean i think yeah. robert smith is a little more visionary than uh the morrissey smiths. yeah so definitely more than morrissey johnny Marr is an excellent guitar player on uh, of any kind you could ever want but you know the yeah, morrissey's just become like an old racist queen it seems it's kind yeah. of sad well i mean all the I've, good you could do i've only I've I've never actively disliked The Cure. I've actively disliked The Smiths, except for being able to identify that Johnny Marr is a good guitar player. Yeah, and and, and like there was a song or two, like the the one track, "What Difference Does It Make?" I think is a phenomenal song. 
but beyond that, I'm like, there's just nothing there for me. Where the cure is more like, okay, I get it. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. But my God, man, they're, they're a huge band in the lives of a lot of people I know. Yeah. And, you know, largely the podcast so far has been people from the Akron area, but I'm, you know, branching out a little bit, talking to other folks, you know. Um, so I was happy to see that it's consistent across board, even with folks I haven't met yet. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of nice, you know. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Um, I just thank you very much for doing this, you know. Thank like, you for doing this. It's great. It's, I, it's, you know. I kind of, you know, like I said, I, I do it mostly with people from around here, but I'm like, and I'm going to continue to do that because I think my town in particular there's a lot of great art being made here and, and it's like writers, painters, musicians, mostly musicians. Cause I've played music for, um, I've been doing it a long time. So mostly I get musicians, but I just kind of like, you know, I kind of want to talk to other people too. So, but Hey man, thanks for doing it. Um, I, Thank will, you, man. I, All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. I want to thank Gavin Van Vlack for sitting down with me and, uh, you know, shooting the shit for a while. I really enjoyed this conversation quite a bit. Uh, please, 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 if you have not heard Burn, Absolution, Die 116, or Canonized, go on out and check it out. It's well worth your time. Particularly Absolution, who I think are woefully neglected. Uh, but all this stuff is really good. He's a talented musician, and uh, I really uh, admire the work he's done. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see where we go from here. That's episode 30. We've done quite a bit of these now, and uh, hopefully I'll get back on track and have them up more regularly. I'm still going to shoot for Tuesday as a, as, a, as a day to have a new episode out. Um, I'm going to try for, you know, uh, the second and fourth week of every month, but don't be surprised if I get them up uh, every week because I have a lot of content that I've recorded, a lot of cool conversations with people to share with you. Um, let's see. Let's try see if I can do this. Um, if you want to communicate with me through social media, you can do so on Bleach Mouth Postscript. Uh, see, look, I've already fucked that up. Uh, we'll start with Instagram. Larry underscore Bleach Mouth on Instagram. Facebook, Bleach Mouth Postscript. Email, bleachmouthps at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, review, rate, share with your friends. But also for those of you who aren't messing around with Apple at all, you can share it with your other friends. Uh, we have a website, bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com. All the episodes are up there for you to uh, consume uh, and disregard later. So you can check that out. Uh, not fucking with Twitter, not fucking with Spotify, but, uh, you know, reach out to me. We'll, we'll chit-chat. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate your support. 30 episodes is quite a bit. It's a lot more than I had anticipated, but it's still fun, and I'll keep doing it as long as it is. Uh, that's it. Take care. What you see, what you see, is what you get, is what you get. Look at me. Ooh.